the darkness the zombie did call. True pain and suffering he brought to them all. Away ran the children to hide in their beds, for fear that the devil would chop off their heads. <laughs> It's time for Atomic Monsoon with your hosts, Jedi Stephanie. Guess who's number one now? Josh. Oh, I didn't know watch a single season of The Bachelor. Why is my <laughs> boob saying I want to watch The Bachelor? <laughs> and Psycho Andy. My hands are only wet because I watched them. There's no other reason for that. And now, it's Atomic Monsoon. <laughs> Welcome. To Atomic Monsoon. <laughs> oh man, I feel like we've got a haunted monsoon this week. <laughs> Indeed, we do. What's up, Andy? Uh, it's Wednesday. It's a couple days earlier from when we normally record, which means I'm going to put this episode up earlier, so people who are astute will uh, will find us a couple days sooner. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah, that's, uh, that's on me, though. But yeah, <laughs> well, listen, sometimes we all have appointments and real life things we need to keep track of. And uh, mm-hmm. fortunately, I have kind of an open schedule these days. So indeed. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, working from home has some benefits. <laughs> it does indeed. But we have to thank our friends at Def and Records, though, for that awesome intro. We sure do. I Guys, uh, if you liked our intro, not the Rob Zombie part at the very beginning, but if you like the music part, that's by our friends at Def M Records. As we say every week, you can check them out at defmrecords.bandcamp.com and find some cool new music. And uh, the band The Saturn 3 has been counting down their social media for the last few days. And if my math is correct, something's happening on Halloween Day. So mm. knowing those guys, they love some numbers and they love some some plays with stuff like they, they like to theme their releases. So mm-hmm. I'm guessing they're going to have something horror related. Fantastic. Yeah. So be on the lookout for that. Or if you're listening to this after Halloween 2020, 2020, uh, uh, 2020, 2020, whatever year it is, um, <laughs> <laughs> you can just go to com or, or the Saturn III.bandcamp.com and uh, uh, find out what they did. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. But yes, because it is Halloween week, we thought we would talk about just our favorite Halloween spooky themed things. Yeah. That seems to make sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> I have a, yeah, so so I have a quick honorable mention. Go ahead. So I want to just throw out the Simpsons Treehouse of Horrors. Because, uh, I, like, I know all of us old folks who grew up watching The Simpsons as kids, everyone's like, oh, the new Simpsons isn't that great. Like, yeah, I mean, nothing is going to top those first 10 seasons, which, by the way, the fact that The Simpsons has been going for 30 seasons is is impressive. Mm-hmm. um 30 plus seasons and the fact that we can say like yeah seasons two through nine or two through ten or whatever are the good ones like yeah that's still a ton of show but that being said i watched a bunch of the more recent treehouse of horrors this week and they're still pretty good uh, you know like are they as good as the the first few no but are they still good yeah yeah and if you're just watching them on their own and not in comparison they're a lot of fun and and speaking of Treehouse of Horrors, I want to give a shout out to our friends over at Knowing is Half the Podcast. They This week, their episode was actually highlighting their favorite episodes of Treehouse of Horrors. And in addition to that, over the last week, they had me on 
for uh, we pre-recorded a segment for their theme song throwdown that they're doing, where they're having a big tournament of all their favorite cartoon theme songs, and they're doing a Patreon exclusive episode where their patrons got to come on and uh, do a what they're calling a redemption bracket for one song that got knocked out in the first round to do kind of a play-in thing for the second round, mm-hmm. um, and then they had each of their patrons come on and do a segment where we got to pick what song moves from round two to round three. So, oh. uh, so I got to record with them uh, this past week. I don't know when those episodes are going up. The Patreon exclusive one will be up for only their Patreon subscribers uh, at the $5 or above level. Um, it's not in that archive right now, but hopefully it will be shortly. Uh, yeah. And I don't know when the round two thing is, but it's going to be tagged to the end of an episode. So if you... Uh, Need an extra 15 minutes of me talking about cartoon theme songs at some point. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, check out Knowing It's Half the Podcast sometime in the upcoming weeks. I'll, I'll mention it when I find out that it's actually up. But yeah, go check them out and, and go listen to their last, I don't know, probably like dozen or 15 something episodes where they're doing competitions between theme songs and, and picking their favorites. So That sounds like so much fun. It is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're good dudes. They're, all three of them are, are good people. So uh, I was happy to to be on the show with them. Awesome. That sounds like yeah. a lot of fun. Go check yeah. it out, guys. How about you, Steph? Do you have any honorable mentions for for favorite Halloween things? I mean, you know, I, I, I obviously did the Haunted Mansion intro because that is a beloved Disney ride that yeah, is very spooky and scary. A, a couple of our guests, when we've asked them what their favorite roller coaster is, they say the Haunted Mansion. And it's like, that's not even... Our guest, like, Tower of Terror. Oh. Yeah. But either way, those aren't even roller coasters. So <laughs> one's a dark ride, one's a drop ride. Yeah, but they're both Halloween-themed yeah. spooky sure. rides, and both are amazing. So for sure, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but aside from that, uh, the one I have is the Nightmare Before Christmas because that everyone yeah. and their mother. It's like every time I ask them what their favorite Halloween movie is, it's either that or Hocus Pocus. So there, are, oh. there's some audible mentions right there. I'm not saying that I'm not going to talk about them because they're everywhere, folks. It, they're both on Disney Plus. Go check them out. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so. Nightmare Before Christmas is an interesting thing. It used to get re-released in theaters, like for like three or four years in a row. It got a re-release, like a one or two day only event in in theaters. Oh. And one year it was in 3D, like right kind of. It was like sort of the precursor to the 3D phase that everyone was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I, I've actually seen that movie in theaters probably more than any other movie, which is especially funny because I didn't see it in theaters the first time. <laughs> that is funny. So, yeah. Yeah, the commercials actually scared me because I was like a little kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it's it's a spooky Halloween thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and something about Jack Skellington just terrified little, like, nine-year-old Andy. And, Plus, uh, it's also kind of creepy claymation as well. <laughs> oh, claymation doesn't bother me in the slightest. Oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah, uh, that movie, like, I, the commercials were too scary for me as a kid. And then when I finally saw it when I was, like, I don't know, 15 or something, I was like, oh, this movie's awesome. Why am I afraid mm-hmm. of this? Uh, <laughs> And then, yeah, anytime it's it's gotten a release in theaters, I've, I've tried to go check it out. So, All right, yeah. yeah. And I, I saw it at a friend's house one night. That That's an evening that I won't talk about here on Atomic One soon because it did involve, it did end with an ER visit for my friend. Oh, no. So, Are they yeah. okay now? Yeah, no, they're fine now, yeah. But this was like okay. second grade Stephanie, so, and friends. Jeez. Talk about scary stuff. Yeah, no, we're watching Night Before Christmas and then, you know, legitimate scream comes out of nowhere and we're just all like, ah! <laughs> Okay, but everything so, everything turned out okay in the end. Yeah, everything turned out okay in the end. Everyone okay. was fine. It was just, Jeez. you know, yeah. <laughs> just sleepover oh. ended early. Was all it is. Sure. <laughs> how it went. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. So anyway, 
Moving on now, Andy, what is one of your favorite Halloween things? Okay, so this one's a little bit of a cheat. I'm going to talk about The Crow, the the 1994 film starring uh, Brandon Lee and uh, Ernie Hudson. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit of a cheat because it's actually about Devil's Night the night before Halloween, but that's still part of the Halloween season, I figure. Yeah, that so, still counts. Yeah, yeah. I, I just rewatched the movie earlier this week, mm-hmm. and um, it... <laughs> I think it holds up, but I'm also super biased. So, like, if if you saw the movie, I don't mm-hmm. know if you would think that it's as cool as I think it is. Okay. Um, the the thing the thing about that movie is it's very stuck in 1994, which you know makes sense. That's when it came out, right? Mm-hmm. But the entire thing is like this weird, like grunge goth industrial thing. Mm-hmm. And and looking back at it, I realized that it's very influential on my sense of style. Not necessarily like the way I dress, but just kind of like, you know, the things that I think are cool. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess there was a lot of that at that time because, you know, the the the, crow, the movie is based on a comic book that came out a few years earlier by James O'Barr. It has kind of the same tone as the early issues of the Spawn comics, which came out in 1992. Before Christmas came out in 1993. So there was something about that time period that just had this thing that was like i don't know it's it's part of hmm. why i am the way that i am um yeah yeah so the movie is about a guy and his fiance who are um murdered on on devil's night uh the day before their wedding mm-hmm. um and according to the legend uh of the movie a crow is what brings you from your life to the afterworld when you're when you're uh, uh when you die but if you were murdered in a way that was so unjust the crow can bring your spirit back so one year after he's killed eric draven's soul is brought back by a crow and he digs himself out of his grave and takes revenge on um, the people that killed he and his fiance shelly and Ernie hudson from ghostbusters plays the police officer Mm-hmm. That his kind of his assistant and his fiance's neighborhood friend Sarah, who is legitimately played by a twelve year old girl in the movie, um, and she's like a tough streetwise kid, hmm. um, and like the the actress I I, I was reading uh, on it uh, today, like she actually learned how to skateboard for the movie and then didn't act in anything again until two thousand nine because while filming The Crow, Brandon Lee was accidentally killed on set, and she wanted nothing to do with Hollywood again after that. That's valid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for anyone who hasn't heard the story, uh, I mean, it's a 26-year-old tale at this point, but basically what happened was is there was a, a scene where um, Brandon Lee's character, the, Eric Draven, the crow, um, gets shot, and one of the guns... The, the short answer is the blank got fired too hard and uh, penetrated his skin and mortally wounded him, and he died in the hospital. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. It, there, there's a uh, the Wikipedia entry actually has a really detailed explanation of exactly what happened, but basically it was one of those things where like it was it, it was a, a legitimately honest freak accident, and there was question about whether or not to even release the movie after that point, and um, Miramax Pictures like basically paid them eight million dollars to continue finishing. Like they they only had a few days left of production anyways, so they they recut some of the scenes because they didn't have the main actor anymore. Um, they used a stunt double to fill in a couple of moments. Mm-hmm. 
And for 1994, you wouldn't know that they digitally composited his face onto another actor's body. It was pretty seamless special effects. So, yeah, yeah. It's made this movie kind of this weird cult phenomenon where everyone is like, oh, I don't want I don't want any more Crow movies. Like, why would you dishonor his his legacy like this? And it's like, well, I mean, it's still based on a comic book that has several iterations of like. Uh, they're all different tales of the crow bringing someone else back to life for revenge. Mm, so, mm-hmm. so I get it. Like, if you only know about the movie, like, yeah, I could see why you wouldn't want to. I certainly don't think there, sh- there ever should be a remake. I think, um, yeah, you know, just tell other tales. But yeah, anyways, the movie's awesome. If you were a fan of 1994, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I was. So all right, there you uh, go. Yeah, cool. Uh, how about you? What is your one of your favorite Halloween things? So one of my favorite Halloween things is so Disney Channel had like an overabundance of Halloween themed movies. Like I could probably name 20 right now if I wanted to. And that's not even all of them. That's kind of insane. Yeah, Um, yeah, they sure did have a lot of those. Yeah, because it's like if you look at the number of actual Halloween themed movies or like specials or things like that, the number is huge, but it's like nothing compared to Christmas movies. But I mean, like, if you put it all, like, on, like, the, like, the, was it the ABC Family 30, uh, well, I guess it's Freeform now, but Freeform's 31 Nights of Halloween, they seem to play the same four or five films, and it's like, you're a corporation associated with Disney, take one of the, take the Disney Channel films and throw them there. I mean, but in fairness, Hocus Pocus is a Disney movie, so. It is, but when you're playing Hocus Pocus, Nightmare Before Christmas, Coco, and then, like, three other films over and over and over again for 31 Nights. I mean, those are all Disney movies. That's true. Yeah, no, here's the thing. You're totally right, but I also totally see this as like, hey, if you want more of our kinds of Halloween movies like this, subscribe to Disney+. There you you go. Fair enough. But anyway, so the movies I'm talking about are pretty much known throughout a lot of people in my generation as the Halloween Town series. Yeah, man. Anytime I talk to any of you mid '90s millennial kids, uh, and it's it's hey, what what Halloween movies you like? It's it's Halloween Town is is number mm-hmm. one all yep. the time. Yep. So Disney Channel released not co- like not consistently, but like over a period of several years, they released four movies all labeled with the title of Halloween Town. So there's Halloween Town, Halloween Town Two, Calabar's Revenge, Halloween Town High, and then Return to Halloween Town. Those are the four. Okay. The long story short is pretty much in the first movie, Marnie Piper or Marnie Cromwell is her actual is like her witch name. Okay. That's her family's actual name. Uh, and her family are living in, you know, somewhere in the Midwest and, you know, re- in like the real world where there's no magic, things like that. And one year during Halloween, her grandmother, played by De- by the late Debbie Reynolds, comes, you know, comes to town and tells decides to tell marnie now that she's old enough because she's the oldest of the three siblings that hey by the way uh you and your siblings are all witches and so is your mom and so am i and we come and we come from this magical realm known as halloween town and so they sneak away so while when their grandmother leaves they sneak away to go see what this halloween town's all about so and it pretty much follows the kids learning about this mythical little town that has witches, warlocks, monsters, demons, like all these things. And they're just living in harmony. They're just living their lives, like in this small little Midwest-ish looking Halloween-themed town in like another realm. And as the series goes on, we're following Marnie as she becomes a more powerful witch, as she's befriending all of the creatures of Halloween Town, as she 
stops the evil Calabar as she, you know, tries to make the real world and the magical world come together. And then, of course, her going to the witch university in the fourth one where they actually switched the actress who played her. And we thought no one would notice, but people did. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But they switched the actress and everything. But everyone else was the same actors and actresses, which was kind of strange. And pretty much she now is attending witch university where there's kind of free reign for everyone to attend, not just witches and warlocks. Like anybody can attend. And it's kind of like a weird college high school drama-esque feel and it's mm. it's really good. Like all four of them are really really good. And oddly enough, growing up, I was terrified to watch the first two because they actually were kind of horrifying with uh, um, with Calabar being the villain. But as I went back in adult and watched them again later, I love all four of them. They're all great. They're on Disney Plus. If you want to go watch them, uh, I highly recommend Halloween Town. Okay. Okay. So. I'm uh, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page right here, and I did not realize that. Uh, uh, Mer- Marnie's mother, Gwen, mm-hmm. is played by Judith Hogue, who was uh, April O'Neil in the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. And then her mom is played by Debbie Reynolds, of course, who is the mother of uh, Carrie Fisher. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Huh, crazy. Also, crazy. Whenever, ta- whenever someone says Halloween Town uh, and they're referring to the Nightmare Before Christmas movie, my mind always goes to this first before realizing, oh, wait, you're talking about Nightmare. Never mind. <laughs> Oh, interesting. I, yeah. yeah. Didn't even consider that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's another one of yours? Uh, okay. So I'm going to mix things up and I'm going to talk about something we've never talked about on Atomic Monsoon before, really. And uh, that is a music album. Ooh. Um, <laughs> yeah. As as you may have guessed from our, our intro intro, the intro to our intro, mm-hmm. um, uh, Rob Zombie's Hellbilly Deluxe record. Um, was also a big influence on my my teenage years. Uh, it came out in 1998, so I would mm-hmm. have been uh, 15 or 16, depending on I don't remember what year what month it came out. Yeah, um, I think it was later in the year, so I think I was 16. But yeah, um, it's it's funny. Like I'm not a huge fan of his stuff in when he was in the band White Zombie, and I'm not really a huge fan of a lot of his other stuff. But something mm-hmm. about that record. Um, and, and, you know, there's a few songs here and there that I like otherwise, but, but something about mm-hmm. the Hellbilly Deluxe record, um, really hit me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I, you know, I was, I was just the right age for it. You know, it's yeah. just enough camp. It's just enough scary stuff. It's just enough heavy metal, uh, industrial metal. Um, it's, it's just enough, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the stuff that my mom hated listening to. Mm-hmm. Although, mm-hmm. strangely, one time my mom and I actually saw Rob Zombie in concert together. <laughs> uh, uh, a friend of hers ended up with some tickets and his friend his friends bailed or whatever mm-hmm. and uh, asked if she wanted to go. And I had just gotten the record uh, or the CD because it was the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, so so she was like, "Do you do you want to go see Rob Zombie tomorrow?" And I was like, "Um, what?" <laughs> and she she explained the situation, and I was like, "Yeah, okay, I guess I could go to a heavy metal concert with my mom." Sure, <laughs> coolest mom ever. I mean, yeah. And and after talking with her about it, you know, after the show, it's like, "So what did you uh, what did you think?" She's like, "Well, I hated the music," and I was like, "Right." And she goes, "But I really liked all of his stage production stuff. I liked the." the dancing girls in the cages. I liked the robot guy that came out and danced. I liked the big castle set that he had. And I was like, okay, 
Well, that's weird, but sure. <laughs> I mean, hey, appreciation for the text. I'm all about that. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. So that album, uh, which has, you know, Super Beast and Dragula, which were, you know, his, his two big hits. Uh, Dragula is actually named after a car, and it's the same model car that the Munsters drove around in their TV show. Ha, love um, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, uh, uh, oh, what's the name of the song? It's right on the tip of my tongue. Uh, Living Dead Girl uh, is off that record as well. Um, although the version of that song I like best is off his next album, which is not a studio album. It was a remake. He, Hellbilly Lux got completely remixed as American Me Music to Strip By. Uh, it's a whole album that's just remixes of the previous album. Hmm. And the remix of Living Dead Girl on there is uh, maybe my favorite of his songs. So, All right, uh, cool. Yeah, but yeah, I, you know, we don't, we don't really talk about music because it's weird to have an audio podcast but like legally we can't really play music, music without permission from the artists or the studio yeah. and it's like hey listen to this song oh i can't play it for you so <laughs> Fair <laughs> like, enough. yeah and i know music podcasts are a thing where they're kind of stuck with the same deal but like mm-hmm. I, yeah yeah also i don't want you to stop listening to the podcast to go listen to the song and then forget to turn us back on so yeah. <laughs> there's that too yeah, yeah. so yeah. Yeah, no, uh, cool. All right. Yeah, no, we don't really talk about music a whole lot on here, which I, I learned because I, Andy, remember how I made the my Halloween-themed Spotify playlist and I actually surprisingly had a decent number of songs in there. Yeah, I've yeah. added more and I checked at the timestamp. I have nine hours worth of Halloween-esque themed music that includes anything creepy, zombie, anything evil, just associated could work with Halloween and I have a seven-hour Christmas playlist. I have more Halloween-themed songs than <laughs> I do Christmas. And this is this is your your work-safe Halloween uh, playlist. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So it's, it's mean, all stuff that's not um, not Rob Zombie. <laughs> yes. Well, it's also yeah. things that I have heard. So I mean, I guess you could say sure. it's work-safe. But yet, I have the Beetlejuice album from the new Broadway musical on there. And there's an entire song called The Whole Being Dead Thing. And there's swear words being dropped left and right about doing cocaine and stuff like that. So there's that. <laughs> okay. So maybe slightly less than work safe now. Eh, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, but so thinking of music stuff, though, made me think of my next uh, pick, which is... So I'm putting these two together just because they both come with really good songs in them. Okay. But they're not musicals. Uh, they are Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. And Scooby Doo, <laughs> and the uh, the I think it, and the Witch's Ghost. Okay, okay. Uh, I have not seen either of these, although I do remember when both of them were released because I believe I was working at Blockbuster when they both mm-hmm. went straight to video. So, so the thing with so, these movies yeah. is that think of your typical Scooby Doo type anything. Oh, so the the Mystery Incorporated and their dog show up to a thing, and something's being haunted, and they they split up and search for clues and there's a weird chase scene with some 60s music and and it turns out that uh someone that they met earlier in the episode is a guy in a mask that's trying to scare him away for some greedy purpose and he would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't a few meddling kids exactly yes so these two movies took that idea and threw it out the window (laughs) wait what so the 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 met uh so the mystery ink is still there so there's still freddy velma daphne uh, shaggy and scooby uh, but the, and there's still the, there's not really the split up and search for clues, oddly okay. enough, in okay. either of these. Okay. Um, 
I, I mean, I think there is there's some episodes where they don't split up. So sure. Well, yeah. But OK. But I mean, like they don't intentionally say the key line of, hey, guys, we should split up and look for clues. Like we don't, they don't actually say like there's no F, uh, F, I can't speak today, man. God dang it. <laughs> um, there's just no there's no reference to it. If they split up, it's because it just naturally happened type of thing. Okay. Um, and at the end, there's no person in a mask either. Wait, there's like, so like act- it's actually zombies? It's actually zombies. It's actually voodoo. It's actually magic that is being performed here, folks. So, huh. yeah. So for those of you that don't know, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island, for a real quick refresh, which it is on Netflix. I watched it the other day. It was great. Um the whole premise of it is that this is obviously years later and Daphne has her own TV show called Coast to Coast with Daphne Blake. And she decides to have her second season be about looking for actual ghost stories. And they go to Louisiana because, you know, the bayou can be kind of creepy sometimes. Sure. Uh, to search for real ghost stories. And they stumble upon this, it's called, I think it's called Moonscar Island. Okay. Uh, and they, it's like this little island in the bayou, and they go there because they because they're being told by a woman who works there that the actual place is haunted. So they go discover that it's haunted, you know, type of thing. And Daphne's recording all of the spooky things that are happening, but Freddie and Velma are being very skeptical about the whole thing, saying, "No, it's not real. It's probably just a projector, or it's probably just some guy in a pirate costume wanting to get treasure." Because apparently, the island is named after a pirate that used to inhabit actually invaded the island okay. like back in the 1700s or so and pretty much long story short uh they discover that no the ghost the ghost is actually re- the ghost is actually real and what makes matters worse is that while um while they're there scooby and shaggy at first stumble across a zombie and no one believes them obviously uh and then while late one night after they're having dinner, uh, Scooby and Shaggy are eating in the back of the mystery machine because there's a bunch of cats at the at the house and Scooby and cats just don't go together. Sure. Uh, and while they're sitting there eating, suddenly they just get attacked by a horde of zombies. So the gang does actually split up here, but they're looking for Scooby and Shaggy. They're not looking for clues. They're just like, where are our friends go? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. while they're searching, they also stumble across the zombies and it leads to this amazing metal rock song called It's Terror Time Again. Okay. Look it up. It's great. <laughs> um, All right. But it, it's actually the one Scooby-Doo song that I feel like, aside from the theme songs, that people actually know exists. Because usually when you oh. have like that 60s theme that's kind of playing when they're running down the hallway and they have like the Scooby-Doo like, chase scene. Yeah. You forget about the song title and you move on with your life. This one, no, I have actually talked to a lot of people who have watched Scooby-Doo and they all go, yes, that song's amazing. Okay. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, the zombies are real and it turns out that they exist because um, these t- the two women that actually live on the island are actually from the 1700s and are cursed with by the uh, by some cat spirit thing and now they actually have the ability to suck the soul from someone's body and leave them as a lifeless moving corpse okay and on the harvest moon the corpses come back out and they you know be zombies and it's actually the it was actually one of the scariest things i saw as a kid uh and the witch's ghost is very similar to that they go to a festival they go to a uh, harvest themed festival place in like new england i think salem oddly enough um and while there, there's this band called the Hex Girls 
that are preparing for the preparing for the festival. And we get the song The Hex Girls and Earthwind uh Earthwind Fire and Air, which again, quality songs. Um <laughs> And they pretty much have to discover, okay, is the ghost real or not? And it turns out the ghost wasn't real. It was a whole thing for the the party. But it turns out the guy that was running around with them trying, you know, trying to tell the villagers that they shouldn't be making fun of this ghost. Yeah, it turns out he was actually a Wiccan who had the ability to summon goat, who actually had the ability to summon her actual ghost. Okay. And she reigns terror on the town and they have to stop him and her. And in the end, she ends up dragging the guy into the book with her and they get sealed into this book and it's like i'm sitting here thinking these are both late 90s scooby-doo movies scooby-doo's happy cheery and funny this is horrifying yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so i think those are both early 2000s but yeah 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 uh either way well so you think like scooby-doo started in like 1968 so you know they had time to play with the format so yeah it's 98 for zombie island 99 for um which okay. is Ghost, and okay. you can find Zombie Island on Netflix. You cannot find The Witch's Ghost anywhere unless you order it off Prime. So mm, okay, okay, but yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's mine. Moving on to yours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so let's see. I got a movie. I got an album. I guess I'll go into a video game. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, when we did our our favorite video games, I mentioned Castlevania Symphony of the Night is one of my favorite mm-hmm. games. But really, I like pretty much most of the older Castlevania franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, pretty much anything that came out in the 80s and 90s, I'm, I'm into. Um, not that the other stuff is not good, but, like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm old. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, in my 30s. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so the stuff I grew up with is stuff that I like. Um, so on, on the Switch, the PS4, and the Xbox One, you can purchase, and I think Steam, uh, you can purchase the Castlevania Anniversary Collection, which has the first seven Castlevania games, um, so Castlevania 1, uh, Castlevania 2, Simon's Quest, Castlevania 3, Dracula's Curse, uh, Super Castlevania 4, Castlevania Adventure on Game Boy, Castlevania Adventure 2, Belmont Revenge, uh, also on Game Boy, and then um, uh, Castlevania Bloodlines, which was on the Sega Genesis Mega Drive. Um, and you get all of them for like 20 bucks. Uh, and all of them except for Castlevania 2, Simon's Quest, you can play the English or the Japanese versions. Um, and the reason not for Castlevania 2 is because there's so much like it's it's kind of a role playing game, so there's so mm-hmm. much text that they'd have to go back and basically reprogram the game, or like it doesn't make sense to let you play the Japanese version unless you speak Japanese, which most yeah. Americans don't. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but uh, you know the original Castlevania games are are platformers where you go around playing as a guy with a whip and uh uh whipping the crap out of the universal uh horror movies uh horror monsters basically so you know dracula is the final boss but as you go through you fight like a giant bat you fight frankenstein's monster mummies you know um it's it's slightly different in every game but um yeah it's it's fun going through um all of them oh also, I forgot it includes uh, Kid Dracula, which was mm-hmm. only ever released for the Famicom in Japan prior to this, um, where you play as a little baby Alucard, the son of Dracula. Uh, and it's kind of like a cute kids version of, <laughs> of mm-hmm. Castlevania. Um, yeah, and it just it, it's a cool bonus that like it never came out over here and they like kind of localized it so you can play it in English um, specifically for this collection. Um and then as kind of a spinoff from that, uh, Koji Ikarashi, who was one of the developers for um, Symphony of the Night, 
and some of the later Castlevania games, um, especially the, the Game Boy Advance ones like Curse of the Moon and uh, I'm sorry, Circle of the Moon and Portrait of Ruin, I think, Dawn of Sorrow, like all those games. Um, he has left Konami and he has started his own series of Castlevania-esque games now because he's like, I just want to make games. I don't want to have to go through all the uh, hoops and who cares if it's not actually Castlevania. I just want to make mm-hmm. games. Yeah. So um, he started with a Kickstarter that was like, I think the most successful video game Kickstarter in history at the time um, for a game called Bloodstained. And it's, you know, basically not Symphony of the Night, you guys. Um, very, very similar game, also available on basically every platform. Uh, and then as a, a follow, like one was like a teaser and one was a follow up. Um, there's the Bloodstained Circle, nope, Bloodstained Curse of the Moon, mm-hmm. um, which are new games that look like they were done for the 8 bit Nintendo. Um, uh, and I think those are also available on everything. Um, mm-hmm. And they're super cheap. Like, I bought both of them for like 20 bucks. Um, so, yeah. And they're uh, uh, super fun. And because it's been Halloween time, like, I've been playing those and uh, having, having a lot of fun with those. So, hey, there's like 10 video games you can go check out. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go. Uh, Castlevania Anniversary Collection is 20 bucks for the seven or eight games, however many there are in that thing. Uh, and then the Bloodstained games, the, the two. Uh, throwback ones are pretty cheap and then the main game's like 40 bucks so it's closer to full price but it's not a full like $60 game mm-hmm. um, and it's pretty easy to find so cool. yeah yeah awesome so yeah uh, if you want to if you want to go kill some monsters uh, while well, you got a few days left here before Halloween or fuck, hell play it whenever you want mm-hmm. um, <laughs> there you go awesome yeah. cool 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 so how about you what other what other Halloween stuff do you like so going back to the movies now, because uh, I primarily have just movies and TV shows. There's not a whole lot else I have for movies and sure. ever Halloween themed things. Um, but uh, I so my next ones are again two Disney Channel films. Uh, they are a pre they're you know first movie and sequel. Uh, they are known as Twitches and Twitches Two. Uh, okay. The reason why it's called Twitches is because it's about twin witches. Okay. There you go. Okay. Um, it stars Tia and Tamara Mowry. Aha! Okay. Well known for Sister Sister. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and how the movie pretty much goes is that late, so one night on Halloween night in the Kingdom of Coventry, uh, the darkness uh, is attacking. Sorry, just, huh? The land of Coventry made me laugh. I'm sorry. And I was <laughs> trying not to spit soda all over my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, uh, but the darkness is coming to pretty much, the darkness and the light have pretty much been at battle this whole, been at war this whole time, and now the darkness is overwhelming the kingdom, and in a last-ditch effort to protect pretty much the heirs, uh, to, to, to the whole land, uh, Aaron, his name, sacrifices himself, gives his last of his power to his twin daughters, Apollo and Artemis. Uh, Apollo wears a little sun medallion and artemis wears a little moon one um which makes sense because that's based off of the greek gods apollo and artemis who you know one pulled the sun one pulled the moon there you go uh but anyway so he he did that sacrificed himself to save them and then they were rescued by two of his closest allies named uh iliana and karsh and the two of them took the twins split them up at birth pretty much and ran away into our our realm, our dimension, 
uh, and pretty much put them in separate hospitals and separate families so that that way they were hidden from the darkness, hidden from the evil of their world and could thrive and live their lives. So Artemis, also known as Alex, uh, pretty much she, uh, uh, Artemis is Alex and then Apollo becomes Cameron. Um, but 21 years go by, which is interesting because normally like 16 or like 18 or 14 seem to be a very popular number in these things, but no, 21 years, sure. uh, go by and now they, now it's time for them to fulfill the prophecy, defeat the darkness and return home. So it becomes this whole thing of where, you know, you run into your long lost twin and discover you have magic, magical powers with them. And it's a cute movie where they just are trying to learn how to use magic and learn the fact in like literally on Halloween day, their birthday, um, you know, how the, you know, how, how their sister lived their life and everything like that. Mm -hmm. And pretty much in the end, they come together to defeat the darkness uh, which turns out to be their father's brother. Okay. So it was very much a Hamlet type of thing where, you know, he killed his brother for power and then happened to lie through his teeth to his uh, sister-in-law the whole okay. the whole time for 21 years. Um, but yeah, no, he pretty much gets defeated. And at the end of the movie, you know, they it's like this nice kind of like, I guess... It's this nice, like, kind of like reuniting thing with their with their actual mother, but also finding like new family, and it's it's really cute. And in the second film, it's like a week and a half, maybe a, like a couple of weeks later, um, after the whole events of the first film. And now Alex is getting to go to college because Cameron's rich parents are actually going to pay for her college education. Uh, and then Cameron and Alex are also learning how to use magic in Coventry. So it's just. It's it's kind of it's kind of just a great set of films. Uh, I realized when during my rewatch on Disney Plus that I get a lot of my sass and kind of just like sarcasm from these two movies. Okay, just because of the way that Alex and Cameron interact with each other, interact with other people, and I'm like, oh god, I do that. <laughs> so. <laughs> You know, they're, they're great films. If you like magic and witches and things like that, it's, they've got great music in there, too. And, heck, if you like, you know, Tia and Tamara Maori, go check out this old work of theirs. So Yeah. Yeah. That sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Do you have another one? or I do. Uh, I'm going to pull an audible here because uh, we have a little bit more time than I thought. Oh. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to stick in a thing that I didn't tell you we were going to talk about. Um, Ooh. Yeah, yeah. So this is Fistful of Blood, which is a, a four-issue comic series, uh, which is available as a, a trade paperback graphic novel um, by Ninja Turtles co-creator Kevin Eastman mm -hmm. and um, famed, I don't know, lowbrow artist Simon Bisley. Mm -hmm. um, here's the thing about this comic. It is not for everybody. Uh, it's barely for me. Oh. Um, mm -hmm. uh, the main character is a very busty, very scantily clad gunslinger. Mm. Um, and it she she stumbles into a town um, that is in the middle of a war between <laughs> werewolves and vampires. Fantastic! Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's like if not for the lead character's design, uh, which is very much the way that Simon Bisley draws women, mm. um, 
it would like it would be fine but like that's so distracting that it kind of takes away from it um it's 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 an over-the-top silly like hey i just want to draw a bunch of monsters getting blown up thing um it's loosely based on uh sergio leone's fistful of dollars movie Mm -hmm. um uh right it's it's like an old west town filled with vampires and and werewolves um but i don't know like it's (laughs) here's the thing stephanie i think you would hate it but uh i recognize what they were going for and mm. I totally appreciate what they were doing. Like, I own a copy. Um, I think it's fun. But I also know, like, yeah, this is kind of just a thing for dudes who want to watch, like, or want to read a comic about vampires getting shot to death. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it was originally printed in Heavy Metal Magazine, I believe. Um, so, I mean, anyone who knows Heavy Metal Magazine knows the kind of stuff that goes into there. Um, and then they re-released it as four issues in 2015, 2016, and then released the trade paperback after that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm looking at it on Amazon right now. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, as of right now, there's only one left in stock and it's on sale for 11 bucks. So, wow. uh, yeah, anyone who's listening, you could be first. But the um, their preview pages are actually really generous. They give a couple of story pages and then they give a lot of the... Um, extra background material like mm. back matter stuff like the the rough sketches and character design things mm-hmm. um so that's kind of fun actually awesome. <laughs> uh so if you're not sure based on the way that i have described this and i like i i legitimately like this thing but mm-hmm. i also know that like you would not like it um i know like my mom for example would be like andy what is the matter with you why would you even <laughs> read something like this um <laughs> You know, but like, uh, it is still pretty damn cool. So, all right, for for what it is, okay. Um, yeah, but so I don't know. Um, at the very least, you can check out the Amazon listing for it. Just fistful of blood, um, and check out the preview pages. And like, hey, if this is something that you think looks cool, one lucky person can get it for eleven bucks. There's also a bunch of used copies on sale for about that mm. price. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and if you don't think it's cool, then um, I, I'm sorry, I warned you. he did he did warn you yeah yeah anyways i like vampire stories uh you know werewolves are fine and i like kevin eastman and simon bisley is okay so it was like okay this is all stuff that i kind of like so uh, try it out and uh yeah and now i'm telling other people maybe you will or or will not buy it (laughs) there you go yeah cool yeah all right yeah Uh, anything else from you yeah, I've just got one more thing. Um, okay. So this is, uh, so this is just a this is a singular episode of a TV series because normally a lot of TV series they'll do like a Halloween themed episode sure. where everyone gets to dress up in costumes and go out trick or treating or whatever you know. And I can name you know I can name a thousand and one different episodes like that. Plan out a thousand, but like a lot of episodes where like, you know, like I can name SpongeBob, Phineas, and Ferb right. a lot. I mean, a lot of shows, yeah. A lot of shows do that. Um, I'm pretty sure. There's an, I'm pretty sure there's episodes of the Goldbergs where they do that. Yes, uh, every year actually. There you go. Um, but the one episode I was I'm talking about in particular uh, actually comes from the Disney Channel series, The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. <laughs> For anyone who's listening, who knows exactly what I'm talking about, just by saying the mere title of the actual series, uh-huh. you know what episode I'm thinking of. Um, so this episode is called The Ghost of Sweet 613. Okay. 
Uh, so, and it's the it's like it's in season one. It's episode nineteen, and pretty much how the the episode goes. And if you don't know the story of Sweet Life Zack and Cody, it's about two twin boys who live with their mom, who's a singer in the Tipton Hotel in Boston, uh, and all the crazy shenanigans that goes on there with them, their mom, the hotel manager, the candy counter girl, and the owner's daughter, London. Um, so there's an episode though, where Zach, uh, the, one of the twins is playing pranks on everybody. He's playing pranks on Maddie, the candy counter girl on Mr. Mosby, the, uh, the uh, manager, he's playing it on the bellhop. He's playing on his mom. He's playing it on literally everybody and everyone is getting fed up with it. So they decide to scare him into into believing that there is an actual ghost that resides in the hotel room 613. Okay. So they decide because no one's living there. The last person who lived there apparently is like, you know, died in the hotel room, you know, creepy, spooky stuff. Uh, and they have the kids, you know, they, you know, so they bring the kids in and everything. And they're like, all right, Zach, we're going to stay the night here tonight. And we're going to, you know, prove that there's prove to you that there is a ghost in this room. And Cody is like, oh, God, no, this is horrifying. I'm not about this. Um, while the others like, come on, we got to do it. And Zach thinks it's lame. And Esteban who is the bellhop, or his full name, Esteban Julio Ricardo de Rosa Ramirez. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you have to say the whole name, it has to work. Um, he decides to perform a seance in order to call the ghost. So they're all sitting around the table, he's performing the seance, um, and at first, you know, Zach's like, oh, this is lame, it's not working. And then Esteban's voice changes into that of, a, of like a mature, maybe 30, 40-year-old woman. As he's suddenly possessed by the ghost, and she's threatening everyone to get out, and so she starts throwing people from the table, she starts dragging them away, she starts doing all of these things, and pretty much by the end, everyone is gone except Zach, and he is freaking out. Like, he tries running out of the room, runs into a spider, he runs, he tries going somewhere else, and, you know, the picture flashes at him, and it's just all these types of things, and at the end of the episode, he admits that he is completely, like, terrified he's lost like he's like he's sorry and everything like that and everyone comes out and like haha fooled you you know it was a big prank um in the end and he was like oh i totally i totally knew it was a prank and everyone's like uh-huh is that why you were crying and screaming for your mom like you know <laughs> very obviously picking on him for the fact that it was very obvious he was terrified uh and as soon as they all decide all right yep we're done let's pack up let's leave the room uh kind of creepy in there and they do admit that uh as they're leaving zach and cody notice the picture of the woman that was hanging on the wall that flashed uh she actually moves suddenly oh and she kind of like wave like actually you know no um so as they're leaving the room uh and everything uh this woman does appear in front of them and they're like not, like physically appear like they just turn and there she is uh and she just kind of waves at them and just kind of walks along and they're like, who they're like looking at each other, like, who is that? Like, what, what the heck is going on? And then she just kind of molds in with the photo on the wall and she waves at him again from the photo. And then it just, she goes back to being in her still frame and both boys look at each other, scream, run out. (laughs) (laughs) And what's funny is that it's not even that scary of an episode. If you actually think about it legitimately, at least compared to like a fistful of blood. Uh, (laughs) Sure. Right. (laughs) But, Ask any kid 
again, who probably grew up with Halloween Town and Twitches, ask any of them if they've seen this episode, and they will say this is one of the scariest episodes that they grew up with as a kid. Interesting. Okay. Okay. And it's really interesting, and it's just really interesting that it's one of the scariest, even though it's just very much the, oh no, we're just pulling a prank on our friend, and it actually doesn't even happen on Halloween. It's just a random day in the year. I think, just, yeah, it's it's weird, but it's such a great episode, I had to mention it, so. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so uh, this time I decided to keep a list of everything we were both mentioning while we were talking. Oh. So I'm going to give a quick rundown. So anyone who doesn't want to go back and rewind the entire episode and listen to us all again. Uh, hey, the things we listed were the movie The Crow, mm-hmm. the Halloween Town series, mm-hmm. Rob Zombie's Hellbilly Deluxe, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island and Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost, uh, the Castlevania Anniversary Collection and the Bloodstained video games, Twitches and Twitches 2, the Fistful of Blood trade paperback graphic novel, however you want to call that, uh, and the Sweet Life of Sweet Life of Zach and Cody, Ghost of Sweet Six Thirteen, uh, <laughs> with honorable mentions of The Nightmare Before Christmas and The Simpsons Treehouse of Horrors. Um, well, most of the stuff we talked about is on Disney Plus. <laughs> I mean, uh, no. if you actually consider actual Halloween themed movies, a lot of them are horror, Andy. So it's, it's it's true, and neither of us are big horror fans. So. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if you want to, uh, if you're if you're not the kind of person that wants to sit around watching all the Saw movies, or or you've seen all the Universal classics a million times, or like, you know, yeah, all right, I guess I could watch Bram Stoker's Dracula with uh, Keanu Reeves again. Like, hey, hey, here's some other things that are fun that uh, you know, maybe not quite as uh, quite as spooky, or you know, in the case of of Hellboy Deluxe, Castlevania, and Fistful of Blood, things that aren't movies. Yeah. <laughs> things that aren't TV shows, things you could do that aren't sitting in front of a screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I guess you could totally listen to Hellboy Deluxe on Spotify and uh, Castlevania you do in front of a screen and you could get digital. Anyways, it's besides the point. Hey, follow <laughs> us on social media. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find us at Atomic Monsoon on, where are we? Twitter and Facebook and with the underscore on Instagram. Uh, and, and you can email us questions uh, at atomicmonsoon at gmail.com and you can find some stuff on our Redbubble store mm-hmm. and uh, uh, find all of our past episodes at atomicmonsoon.com and uh, if whatever podcast aggregator you're using, uh, please rate, review, and subscribe to us. Although we did say we were going to talk about the scariest thing of all on our Halloween episode, Stephanie. Uh, Atomic Monsoon is going to be ending with episode 100 no yeah yeah it's it's nothing personal we're, we're both still friends we're still friends mm-hmm. with josh just um <laughs> with with the way that uh 2020 has gone and the changes in the world right now um and and listen quite honestly like Steffi and i have we're, we're very good friends and we have a lot mm-hmm. of stuff in common but mm-hmm. we've kind of talked about most of the overlap of yeah. <laughs> things that we have in common yeah um and and with the the way that um the pandemic has sh- shaken things out uh, i'm sure you've noticed in the last several episodes last 30 episodes josh really can't join us mm-hmm. um just because of the way work schedule is going and, and him helping out his family uh to keep them safe so Mm -hmm. um we all talked about it and we all decided um that we're gonna stick it out till episode 100 um to Mm -hmm. give us a nice round number and uh and then we're gonna call it done um 
Uh, I am in the process with talking with Voice America about doing uh, at least one, if not multiple, follow-up podcasts. So um, we're not just going away completely, but Mm -hmm. uh, just a heads up, there's only going to be, you know, a handful of episodes after this one. Um, So be sure to subscribe, actually, so that you don't miss any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, maybe maybe start sending us uh, through the email some of your favorite Atomic Monsoon memories. Uh, so what what were your favorite episodes? What were some of our favorite things that uh, that we have talked about? And what is something that uh, we haven't talked about that you'd like us to cover? Because we've only got a few episodes left. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Uh, hey, we love you guys. You know, this isn't this isn't the band breaking up because we're mad at each other. This is the band yeah. breaking up because we all want to have solo careers. So, yep. It's, so it's like what happened with One Direction, I guess. So, uh, yeah. Or Led Zeppelin. Or I mean, yeah. our drummer didn't die, but uh, no, we don't have a drummer. Yeah. No, no. Uh, <laughs> Joss is just but, not available. He's still alive. Yeah, he's uh, still alive. Yeah, yeah. And I'll, uh, yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's time for Jimmy Page and Robert Plant to go their separate way, and and uh, you mm-hmm. know, that's not to say we won't do other projects in the future. Oh yeah, um, no. But uh, yeah, we may just, we, we may pop in on each other's new projects in the future. Hey, wouldn't that be fun? Get some, oh yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, atomic reunions going on. Monsoonians, yeah. atomic uh, monsoonians. No, that sounds like something else. <laughs> yeah, it just sounds like dinner. Uh, <laughs> that's what I was thinking of. I think it's also because I'm hungry and there's a sandwich waiting for me now. Hey, all right. I'm going to let you go eat that sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everyone. Uh, if you're listening to this beforehand, have a happy Halloween this year. Be as safe as possible. Um, mm-hmm. I know my roommates and I are not handing out candy because uh, we we don't want to accidentally share anything um, that we don't have to. Uh, mm-hmm. We're just going to hang out and watch movies and eat a lot of candy and popcorn. So There you go. Um, yeah, yeah, guys, be safe out there um, because we want you to listen to our last 10 episodes. <laughs> yes. Happy Halloween. Hey, look, it's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Good grief. Atomic Monsoon.